Thank you for joining us on this episode of Against the Mountains of Badness. I'm your host, Jason Rennie. And I'm your host, John C. Wright. And on this episode, we're going to be asking the question, is capitalism moral? So, John, is capitalism moral? Allow me to make a provocative statement. I say that capitalism is not only moral, it is the only moral system that there is. Because anything else is theft. Okay. Well, that was easy. No. <laughs> sure, but, but it's, like I said, it's a deliberately provocative statement. Because what I'm, what I'm saying is all of the industrial pollution, all of the exploitation of the poor, all of the, uh, you know, the uh, robber barons and everything else you've, you've heard about your entire life is, is supposed to be uh, uh, acceptable to a, moral, to a moral people. You see, but, but the problem is the, the, the question itself, is capitalism moral, is loaded. Because the word capitalism was invented as a slur That's against true. the it free market. The word capitalism implies that there is a system, a, a methodology, by which the rich, acting as one group, conspire against the poor, who are also seen as one group. Now, uh, Marx is often regarded as an economist by those who haven't read him, but he's, a, he's basically a religious writer. He's a, he's a cult figure. That's true. He wrote about... He wrote about economics the way a, um, uh, the way an ascetic, the way a, uh, a, a Buddhist who has given up on sex writes, writes advice for the lovelorn. Because the only, thing he's, the only thing he says about economics is that we should give up on it, that economics has to be stopped. And what I mean by yeah. economics is I mean, I mean what, are the, what is the logical consequences of allowing men to keep the fruits of their labor and to dispose of them as they see fit? What is the logical consequence of having men, when they're disposing of their labor, exchanging them with each other as they both see fit? What is the consequence of using an, a uh, direct as opposed to indirect means of barter, and indirect means of barter being some sort of money? What happens mm -hmm. when the money supply is inflated or deflated? Those, those things are questions economists deal with. What Marx was trying to do was to get rid of money, to get rid of the exchange of goods, and indeed to get rid of the specialization of labor itself. He says, he says as much explicitly in, in his works, you say, because he Seems like a bad idea. It is an excruciatingly bad idea, unless you are a mystic who believes that living in the physical world is demeaning and alienating to mankind, which he did. Basically, think of Marx as a modern Gnostic. A Gnostic mm -hmm. is a mystic who believes that God is the devil and created this world as a trap to demean us and to spoil us, to tempt us. Now, Marx is an atheist, so he doesn't believe in God, but he does believe in society, and he thinks society creates all the rules of society. He thinks society created the specialization of labor, the disutility of labor, and the, uh, the scarcity of resources. Does that make sense? He thinks scarcity of resources is a term of art among, among economists that says that we don't have, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Certain goods are not yes. scarce, like air. You don't have to pay anyone to breathe air unless you're living underwater and you want your air delivered in a bottle. Okay, So bottled mm. air takes water for scuba divers. They have to buy it. But otherwise, you're, it's free to breathe. It's a non-economic good. Okay, water, 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 is, water is free if you go and get it out of the stream yourself. But right. if you want to pipe to your house, not so much. If you want to pipe to your house, you want to deliver it in a bottle. Right, right. So certain goods are free and non-economic. Uh, the moon belongs to everyone because the best things in life are free. Okay, you don't need to pay for it. In fact, some of the best things in life, if you do pay for it, you'll run afoul of the law. So you don't want to you don't have to pay for uh, for the uh, you know female companionship. That's uh, that's highly dubious. Yes. But other goods are not free. They're not abundant. They're not as free as air, including things like crops grown in the ground. If you want to give up on your hunter gatherer lifestyle and stay in one spot and grow plants, it takes a year of sowing to get to get the fruit. Okay, now, if you don't get to keep it, there's no reason to, to do the planting. No. Okay, if you do get to keep it and you stick in one spot, you also have the leisure, by the way, which the hunter-gatherer doesn't have, to specialize in something useful like basket weaving or spear making. Okay, or, or, or uh, 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 potting, uh, pottery, which is why those, yep. which is why those, those uh, skills uh, uh, eventuate, why they come into being in history. Now... Hmm. As it has, so happens, human beings are not uh, interchangeable collectivist robots, and some people are better at some things than others at others. Every, yes. every tribe in a primitive lifestyle, every, every man in the tribe is a soldier as well as being a huntsman and a herdsman and a 
tent maker and, and anything else that needs to be done, every man does and every woman does. Okay. But in a civilized society, when you're when you have a a, a group of, of uh, huts around your crops, and you have to build a wall to stop the guys who are still the nomads who haven't <laughs> haven't become civilized yet because they want to get the fruits of your labor without the work, uh, mm. then you have the leisure to find out that one guy is good at pottery, pottery, one guy is good at spear making, one guy is good at uh, fighting, you know, and then one guy is good at singing the songs to praise the heroes of old. And those guys become science fiction writers. So they're they're the ones I'm I'm most interested in as a, as an economist. Uh, yeah. So as a student, I'm not an economist. As a student of econ- economics. So the idea that one village is going to trade goods with another village assumes that both of them are equal. Okay. But the Marxist scheme assumes that men are not equal. That men are separated into classes or castes by their economic activity. For some bizarre reason, explainable only by uh, aberrant psychology of people who study leftism, Marx thought that the investment strategy, that investing in investing goods in, st- in stock, was a class of people. That anyone who bought uh, a, a one dollar share of stock on Wall Street, even if he was a poor dirt farmer, was a capitalist, and that the entire system was there to benefit the capitalists. That the entire system was a prison meant to exploit the workers and benefit the capitalists. But the workers, anyone who works for a wage, I I used to be a lawyer. When I was a lawyer, I worked for a wage. Does that make me a wage earner? That's an economic activity. It's It's not a measure of your wealth. The same guy, the same farmer who spends time on the weekends uh, working in the garage in town is both a wage earner and a landowner and an investor and uh, you know anything else? It's it's you can't divide people by their economic categories into classes or castes. Now, in the Middle Ages, you could say some people were born as nobles and some people were born as serfs, and the serfs were oppressed and the nobles gained the benefit of the fruits of their labor unjustly. But then again, the nobles were at least in theory supposed to be defending them against the Vikings uh, and other people who hadn't yet learned how to how to trade peacefully with their neighbors. So. Be that yeah, as that, it may. That, that medieval system was not nearly the horror story people like to portray it as. Oh, it was very cooperative. Certainly not. And here's the other thing about being a serf. You could not be put off your land for non-payment of rent. Okay? So in some ways, the serfs had, and they had more days off than the modern, modern uh, uh, factory hand does. So in some ways, the serfs were better off. But the Middle Ages were not nice. But then again, no age was nice. The Middle Ages, however, in terms of social progress, in terms of legal progress, were better than the ancient world. The the giant slave-run plantations of the Romans passed out of existence in the West, in Western Europe. Okay, the serfs could not be put on their land, put off their land, and they had certain rights that could not be overstepped. The Magna Carta is a is a medieval document. Okay, it's not a Renaissance document. Yeah. So, be that as it may, that's that's a topic for another day. So what, what Marx called capitalism is actually nothing but the natural progress of people from barbarism to civilization. When he's talking about capitalism, quote-unquote, as some sort of evil system, he's actually talking about civilization. Civilization consists of the, of the taking advantage of the fact that not all men have the same skills. Civilization takes advantage of the fact that uh, some people are better at some things than others, and it's an economic fact that if the person who's good at one thing trades his goods for someone else who's better at something he's not as good as, they both benefit. Capitalism mm. is based on mutual benefit to each other. Now, now, the reason why the Marxists call that bad is because the Marxists say that all human interactions are a Darwinian power struggle between the mm. weak and the dispossessed and the strong and the ruthless, and that no human relationship is based on mutual benefit. All human relationships are power struggles, including marriage, just by the way. That all human relationships are, are, are relationships between vampires and victims. And that the only now, thing to do is to, to get rid of the vampires. That's... To be, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, to be fair to Marx, he was a shiftless layabout that never worked and was a parasite his entire life on his wealthy friends. So you could see how he would come to this conclusion. If you want to say that's fair to Marx, really I, will, I will agree <laughs> with your clear-eyed assessment of his personal, uh, his personal well-being, his personal, Ill, uh, his personal shortcomings. Yeah, but, so, he was, but, but more than just being a shiftless layabout, he was a Gnostic. He was a mystic. He was a, he, was a, he was a magician. He thought that magic could save the world, and he dressed it up as if he was talking about science. 
because when the when the uh, when the dictatorship of the proletarian takes over, suddenly all goods are supposed to be in abundance. How's that, how does that actually work? How does disutility of labor suddenly fall out? Disutility of labor, by the way, is the is the condition of the fact that people uh, are not willing to labor are not willing to work until they drop like a like a robot. They they mm-hmm. need some. Le- they're willing to they're willing to to take leisure time and, and are willing to pay for it. They're willing to to expend resources to have rest. That's the disutility of labor. Okay. Specialization of labor is the fact that if I work at one task, and, and only one task, I get to be good at it. I get to be a specialist at it. If it's pottery or spear making or anything else, you know. Hmm. And so Marx thought that specialization of labor was alienation. He thought it. He thought that doing work alienated you from the from your divine. He didn't call it divine. It alienated you from being a communal man. And he thought the communal man, which he thought was the primordial state of man before the rise of civilization, was a one where everyone in the tribe acted as a as a collective. They all shared all property in common. They all lived like monks on a monastery who had no worldly concerns and just shared and shared everything, shared and shared alike, like the early apostles. A, and so he saw that as moral. And he said the only problem was the tribes regarded other tribes as enemies. And what we need is to incorporate tribal thinking into modern well, excuse me, I'm confusing him and, and Rousseau. Uh, some of his, some of Marx's inspirations believed that you had to integrate barbarism with civilization to get something better than both, which would be mm-hmm. where civilized people all act with the communal courtesy and collectivism of the primitive tribe where everyone shares all things in common. That's what it was, that's the goal of his utopia. Yeah. So we should back up because we started talking about Marxism and come back to, but which was a reasonable, um, only because, only because I can't think of any other system aside from the free market. That is not the free market. Well, okay. There are various, there are in all ages, there are various limitations on the free market, but there's no, there's no ideological opposition to it aside from Marxism. Well, that's true. No, but we should come back to the question is capitalism moral. Um, I know we were discussing in the pre-show that, um, one of the things I've always thought fascinating about the free market versus Marxism is the free market system is explicitly amoral. It doesn't actually, um, it doesn't actually care um, about the content of what's being traded. It's just the system will provide whatever's in demand. Whatever people want, the free market will get to them and will get to them at the lowest price. Uh, based on what it costs to produce and transport and things like that, um, it, it's a marvel. Like it's it's a miracle that it's it's capable of doing that with no central coordination at all. Just everybody pursuing, shall we say, uh, to borrow Ayn Rand's terms, uh, their own enlightened self-interest. So Ayn, not... Rand, Ayn Rand. I'm a big fan of Ayn Rand. She did not invent those terms. Those, those are Lockean in terms. Those terms come from okay, much older tradition. Fair but yes, I, I know. But mind your Rand, point but... is that it's a self-organizing system created when everyone follows his own best self-interest. Yes, and but I mean, enlightened self-interest in the sense of um, you don't cheat your neighbor and things like that because things will go better for you in the long term. It's 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 a long-term self-interest, not a short-term, immediate self-interest. Correct. Um, in in view, that's sort of you know um, because you can always get ahead in the short term by cheating and lying endlessly to everybody. But after doing that for a month, nobody will trust you and nobody will trade with you and you will starve. Let me, let me, let me interject a possibly, a possibly irrelevant uh, side, side note here. Sure. One Why of the not? strongest advocates of, of, using, of pursuing uh, business relationships in an enlightened rather than an unenlightened fashion, and enlightened means long-term, don't cheat your customers, was P.T. Barnum. Now, P.T. Barnum is famous for one thing, being the master of flim-flam and hokum and the, you know, the, being the, the lord of hornswoggle because uh, everyone thought every minute? he did not actually say that. No, I'm sure he did. What he no, actually said, what he actually said was that uh, uh, traveling itinerant tradesmen going through the Ohio territories in, the, in his day and age found out that if they cheated their customers, if they were, if they were too slick, that the next time they came around a few months later, folks had log memories and people would not deal with them. So he actually advocated in uh, uh, treating your customers 
not as if they were marks or chumps to be to be bilked, you see. So the 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 theory of pursuing one's self interest in a rational and enlightened way goes way back. And I think having P. T. Barnum as the as one of the chief advocates of not cheating your customers, because come on, he gave the customers what they wanted when they wanted to go see the fat lady or hear the mermaid sing or see the eye of the cyclops or something or some other is hokum. They knew they were, they knew they were paying for hokum. He gave them he gave them their, their money's worth and their money was But it was you know, entertaining. Well I mean right. you know. Right. That's that's fine. They wanted to, they wanted to see freaks. He gave them freaks. <laughs> right, right. So, but yeah, you know. But um, your, your point is well taken. Although I said that Marxism, that that capitalism, believe that the capitalism is the only moral system there is because freedom is moral. Treating other men, you either treat yeah. other men as if they're free and equal, or you don't. Okay, and if you don't, then either you're their slave or they're your slave, or you're their bully in that sense in that okay. sense it's moral yes but, but it also explicitly says that it does not care when you walk into my shop i don't care what color you are as long as your money is green okay i don't make any distinction based on that i also don't really care if you've if you've got to commit a crime with with the goods or or whatever it is i sell you because that's on you that's not on me see mm. now if i was a father with a son i would not act that way if I was a father with a son and he came into my shop and said, Dad, I'm starving, I'd say, here, son, take this loaf of bread with both hands. But, you know, if I'm, well, uh, if I'm running a bakery, I, uh, mm. I might have to have a different – I have to have a different attitude toward if a stranger walks into my shop, you see. So that's where capitalism deservedly gets a bad reputation because there's a lot, a lot of people are not strangers who you think are strangers. Can I, I apologize, but can I, can I add a yet, yet another perhaps irrelevant diversion? Sure. Uh, so Mother Teresa of Calcutta walked into a baker's shop and asked the baker if he would donate loaves of bread to the leper colony that she was, that she was running, okay, where the poor were. And he was outraged. He thought this was, this was so offensive that he actually spat on her. Okay, wow. and in the and in the Far East, to 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 deliver such an insult is not a light thing. With with more charity than I can imagine myself ever demonstrating, she wiped the spittle away, stood there calmly, and said, "You've given me what you think I deserve, but what about these children?" The guy was so moved by her her serenity, by her insistence, by her unwavering courage. You know, because he was a, she was a little, she was a tiny little woman. She was, you know, yeah. that he agreed. And that day he gave the excess bread that he had not sold to, to them. And then after he was so moved by the gratitude that he set aside part of his stock every day to give them bread from then on. Okay. Now, according to the, according to the routine of capitalism, that was unnecessary. But I will point out that he had enough, even though he was a very poor man, he had enough uh, profit to do that. You need, yes. you need, yeah, you need to have fr freedom to get to, to get. You need to be. You Among need to have minutes. a right to the fruits of your labor. You need to have some capitalism to get enough money to give to charity. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. See. Yeah. So you need abundance. Well, but you, but you see, the point of my little story is that that. Baker uh, was not acting capitalistic when he decided to be charitable, but he was acting in a way that capitalism allowed him to. So hmm. the capitalism itself is immoral. It's neither here nor there. It's like money. Money is neither good nor evil. Was Love of money, it's however. Amoral. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say capitalism is not immoral. It's amoral. It doesn't. I right. mean, it'll 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 provide it'll provide food. It'll provide food and medicine and housing but it will also provide drugs and prostitutes and slaves right, right. whatever's in demand will whatever's be in demand. satisfied right. this is this is this is the uh um the 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 great strength of capitalism is it will provide whatever's in demand and the great weakness of capitalism is it will provide whatever's in demand i prefer to say <laughs> that another way uh, here's the way i'll say sure. it. capitalism allows you to keep the fruits of your labor yep. whether you use those fruits for good or evil is up to you <laughs> so if you use them yeah. for good, like the baker in my story, then then the capitalism system has benefited mankind. If you use them for evil, like you know, let's say Bill Gates, who's trying to use his immense wealth to 
uh, uh, destroy the Western civilization, or let's say George yeah. Soros, uh, then then the, the, these creatures are just like villains from a from a uh, villains from Nan Rand story. They're villains from a Bond movie. Their great wealth yeah. with their great wealth has given them great power, and if they abuse their power, then that's on them. But nonetheless, despite despite the fact that capitalism itself is immoral, freedom, however, is moral because it's immoral to to impose on the freedom of others. It's immoral Agreed. to enslave others. Agreed. Oh, I was I was going to say yes. That's the strength and the weakness of capitalism. So capitalism, capitalism is like um, republicanism as a form of government. Uh, you need a basically moral people for it to work. Yep. Um, so as long as as long as as long as the people are approximately good, it'll function, but it will implode when people stop being good. Um, yes, but that's, that's I have to say that a non-republican system of government uh, encourages immorality by uh, rewarding tyranny. Uh, likewise, a non-capitalist method of of governing trade between between free men reduces them to being subjects, reduces them to being serfs of the yep. the commissar, and that even even if it's enacted with the best will in the world, that encourages uh, corruption. That's true. You see, so in any any system in any system, you you get more of what you reward. Yep. So the welfare state is based on a very generous idea that we cannot we cannot stand idly by while the poor are starving that we can't let widows and orphans uh, suffer that god will punish us if we let widows and orphans suffer but it's also a sad fact of human existence that if you pay women more out of the out of the public till for not getting married that's like bribing them not to get married you, you create a generation of bastards bastardy bastardy oh. on, among the inner city has risen from it was like it was like under it was like under twenty percent in the in the nineteen twenties, and now it's it's above seventy five percent. Okay. Well, now if you look how at, you um, you can't let the, you can't let the people starve either. So I don't know what the what the what the, I don't think it's a clear answer for that. Um. But I well, hey, well I was going to note in England, um, it's well known among the underclass that um, a girl gets to fifteen or sixteen and gets herself pregnant because then the council will give her a flat. Yeah. Um, and that's just a horrific incentive. Yeah. But I, I, I suppose the problem is, because I think we've, we've, we've had this conversation before, because um, at some point you probably do need to let people who make poor life choices starve and suffer for their poor life choices, because if you don't, you will encourage the behavior. I'm not like, I, how I, you, I'm not, I'm not sure how you solve for that. I'm not sure either. You, I fear the wrath of God too much to let the to let the beggar starve. Though he says so, he says that that he's he's looking out for that. But I'm also a recovering libertarian. I used to be a big fan of Ayn Rand until I became a Christian. So I, you know, uh, and uh, I don't think that a wise man structures his incentives to encourage the behavior that he wants to see more of. If the church and not the state was handling the charity, th then it would be on a personal level. See, trying to get an yes. impersonal system to take care of your personal responsibilities is a oh, cheat. Okay. okay, that is that's just cheating. That's just you wanting someone else to raise your kids so you vote for a public schooling system. Okay, because mm. uh, you don't want to be bothered. Uh, yeah. And it's nauseating. Well, it, 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 it's 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 making a deal with the devil. It's gonna it's gonna bite you in the butt in the in the in the, in the long of run. Of course. Well, so the charity the, still has yeah. to happen, but but the in the Victorian age they had an idea of the deserving poor as opposed to the undeserving poor. I don't want to give yeah. money. I myself, when I give money to beggars, I I try to give packages of sardines or or tins of of uh, uh, tuna fish. Rather than handing them a five or ten dollar bill, because I don't want them to use one drink, I don't want them to use them to buy drugs, I don't want to give them money. If they're actually hungry, I'll give them food. You see? Yeah. A friend of mine, a friend of mine who ran, ran a landscaping business, which is manual labor that doesn't require a huge skill set. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nearly anyone can do it. Nearly any healthy man can do it. Went around to the beggars asking for money, and he said, "Here's my card. Come to me, and I will give you a job." How many people of the and he he told me he talked between fifty and a hundred people 
Now, he's a friend. It was a casual conversation. He wasn't under oath in a court of law. I don't know. Uh, you know, I wasn't there. But I believe him. Out of those 5,500 like people... I'd like to think the answer wasn't zero, but I'm guessing it was zero? The answer was zero. Yeah, well... And, he, and he, my friend was, was left-leaning, left left-inclined. He was a generous man, and he wanted to help the poor. He sincerely wanted to help the poor. But you could see the generosity died in his eyes after he tried that. After yeah, he, I can imagine. After he tried to help them, and he and and now what he doesn't know because he he was left leaning, is that whatever you reward, you get more of. Those guys, if they'd taken that job, would have taken a loss of income. You see, because they were supported by the welfare state. Yeah. Now and sadly, a lot of them also, uh, uh, at least in America. In the 80s, there was a big push to open up the insane asylums and dump people with real problems who could not take care of themselves out on the street. And, yeah. And the idea that this would... The rubric was that it was, it was unfair to lock up a person against his will. The reality was that they were trying to make Reagan look, uh, Ronald Reagan look bad, so they were trying to create some social chaos to blame on him. Uh, and so a lot of these people actually can't hold down jobs. Yeah. Well... Going back to the point about the welfare state, um, I think it was, may not be original to him, um, the late Justin Anton Scalia, I think, said this. Um, the basic problem with the welfare state, whoever said it, that was definitely a, a work of genius. The welfare state perfectly inverts and corrupts the, um, the purpose of charity. So in charity, I feel bad for my fellow man and so I give, I give what I can to help him out. And then he responds to me with gratitude for my assistance. That's the way charity is supposed to work. Um, it's good for me because I'm giving up something. It's good for him because it helps him, but also he's grateful. And so all around, everybody benefits. It's good for everybody's soul. And it's also good for the poor guy's material needs, which is desirable. The welfare state perfectly inverts that um, in the way only, in the way only the devil is uh, so masterfully skilled at doing, because it takes, because instead of instead of me giving voluntarily to help you, and you being grateful that I've voluntarily given to help you, now I'm taken from by force. I'm not given a choice. So instead of me being oh good, I'm helping you, I'm resentful that my money is being taken. It becomes Without a matter of duty. Consent. It becomes a matter of duty rather than being voluntary on your part. Well, I mean, it's but the voluntary, the the need to help the poor is a Christian duty. We have that as a duty, but we need to do that ourselves. When the welfare state comes along, that's forced on me at gunpoint, and the money's taken. So suddenly, I'm resentful rather than a willing giver. But also on the flip side, the recipient quickly quickly comes to accept it. Uh, accept it. Um, expect to be given money and becomes resentful if you won't give him money and becomes entitled to it as if he right. somehow owed this generosity. Well, what would have been generosity from other people, he's somehow owed to it. So there's no, there's, so instead of you feeling or me feeling like um, good because I'm helping my fellow man, I'm resentful of him. Right. And he, instead of feeling gratitude for being assisted, feels entitled to and resentful if I don't give him what he feels he's owed. Right. So it's a perfect inversion of um, what is actually a good impulse. And um, the two people become enemies. Yes, Their and they hate each other instead of being friendly. They'll hate each other instead of being friendly. Right. It's it's as you said. Only the devil could concoct a scheme so perfectly calculated to ruin what should be one of the most beautiful human relationships possible and it's sold under the guise of being a better form of charity it's that the the more you look for it that seems to be the way the devil operates he promised uh the promise you're promised something will be better than doing it um the right way the godly way right you make it better you'll solve problems and it, it ends up being perfectly inverted and turned against itself and I mean, the welfare state is a nightmare. Like, the, the welfare state is horrific, what it does to people. It, it dehumanizes and enslaves people at least as effectively as uh, a plantation did. A plantation that had actual slaves. <laughs> yeah. 
And I will say that uh, there's one thing worse than slavery, than that is helotry. If I'm a plantation owner and I've bought a slave, he costs as much as a horse, so I'll take care of him out of my own self-interest because he's like a piece of equipment that I, that I work. But if yep. he's a helot, he's owned by the Spartan state, and I don't care what happens to him after, after I get my work out of him. Do you see the difference? I'm it's quite like happy to work him to death. It's like yeah. the difference between a public bathroom and a private bathroom. <laughs> yeah, your, your, your bathroom is usually clean, but public right. bathrooms will have poop smeared on the walls and pee everywhere. Because it is not, the incentives <laughs> are not structured so as to make it into any one particular person's self-interest to clean up after himself. Likewise, mm. with the welfare state, the welfare state makes an entire class of people into helots, you know. Now, but that's not the poor in this case. It's the middle class in this case. Uh, and and you're right. The way the I'll call them the magicians, the way the hermeticists, the Gnostics, the Marxists, the leftists, they always operate in the same fashion. They say, the Gnostic will say, you worship God, but I worship a better God, which is actually you. Your God is actually the devil. But it's the same God. Yeah. The, 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 the Gnostics believed in Christ. They just thought Christ was here to save us from God. Okay. The Marxists say... You guys believe in the liberal world order, in, in freedom and helping the poor. And I have a better method for helping the poor. Let's eliminate the law of cause and effect and therefore eliminate the, the need of the price system. The law of cause and effect is produced by society. As soon as we eliminate society and return to barbarism, cause and effect will go away. He didn't use the word cause and effect. He talked about the price system. But that's what he meant. He meant cause and effect will go away. Reality will go away. Yeah, uh, and so every time it's the same. Once you see the pattern, you can't not see it. Every time the left comes up and says, "You have a sheep. I have a better sheep. It's it's stronger and more efficient and faster. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. It has all the benefits of being a sheep, but it's better." And you go, "Well, wait. If I put a wolf in sheep's clothing in my fold, won't he savage the other sheep?" Whereupon the left just says, "You're a bigot. You're a racist. How dare you <laughs> he question calls me?" Names. He calls you names because he has no argument. So likewise, the, the basic Marxist argument is that freedom is immoral and that true morality consists of taking freedom away from people and forcing them to work for the benefit of the other people who will be ungrateful. Now, <laughs> let, me, let me yet again pause and tell an anecdote that is maybe unrelated to our topic. My wife once told me about a Chinese fairy tale, which I thought was just delightful. One of, the, one of the things in the Chinese fairy tale was a piece of paper that had the secret of life written on it. The secret of life consisted of one character written over and over again. But the, uh, the emperor's men who went to go get the secret of life, the secret of happiness, excuse me, I said the secret of life, the secret of happy life, the secret of happiness, went to go get the I secret of happiness from the, peasant, from the peasant family who had it, found the peasant family, and they all had a very tranquil life, and they all were very cheerful to each other, and they're all, you know. So he said, well, maybe they actually do have the secret of happiness. So, so it was in, a, in this piece of paper that was in a box, and he, was, he didn't dare look at it himself because he was Chinese and therefore very polite. And he was taking it back to the emperor so the emperor could read it and have a happy life too because everyone wants their emperor to have a, a happy life. Uh, they were attacked by a phoenix or some other supernatural creature who yanked the yeah. box out of his hands, but the box fell open and he saw the paper briefly. Now, he couldn't read being a soldier, but he, could, he did know that it was one written character over and over again. It was just one word repeated on both sides of the paper. At the end of the story, you find out what that word was. Now, when my wife told me the story, I said, there is no way the fairy tale teller can come up with a one-word explanation for the secret of happiness of life that is not going to be trite or stupid or ridiculous. And I said, I said go ahead, lay it on me. Tell me what, the, tell me what was on, written on the piece of paper. She said, the word was thankfulness. The word was gratitude. Gratitude. And I said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything in my life that is unpleasant, uh, that, is, that I make unpleasant for myself, is because I am not grateful for it. Okay? The one thing you can do to rob a man of the joy he gets upon getting a gift, whether from God or whether from his fellow man, is for him to think he was owed it and that this is an insufficient first payment. You know? Mm -hmm. The, one of the funniest, most bitterest jokes that I heard from Henny Youngman back in the day was uh, a grandma had a kid who was swept out to sea, and she called out to the lifeguard to save him, and the lifeguard struggled against the waves and brought the kid back to shore. And he goes, here, here he is. Here's the kid. I saved his life. And the grandma says, he had a hat. The reason why that joke is funny is the grandma has inhuman levels of ingratitude. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, that's why it's a joke. Well, it laughs because otherwise you'd be you'd be angered. That's what jokes are yes. for. Jokes are for smoothing things over like that. Well, well Marxism substitutes the mutual benefit and the mutual gratitude. I'm actually grateful when I go into a store and I can buy something that I want. And when I've worked the cash register back in my younger days, I was grateful when people came by and handed me money that I could put into the till. Okay? It was much better than being unemployed. I can tell you. Yeah. I still remember I, the first, first money I ever uh, earned on my own was as a youth. I did that by drawing a picture because I was an artist even back then. And I framed it and hung it on my wall because I felt grateful. I felt like I, I was 10 years old or something. And I said, okay, now I'm a man because I earned my own way. I earned my own keep. Okay? Now, people who are physically or, or uh, uh, mentally disabled and cannot earn their own keep, to them we have to have nothing but compassion, and we should. Of course. But if they think that, that we owe them something to each according to his need from each according to his ability, that will take away all gratitude from life and turn life into hell. So I say capitalism may be immoral, but if it's immoral, it's the only moral immoral system that there is because it's based on free men trading equally to their mutual benefit. Marxism as, is as, just Marxism is just envy. Marxism is it, it tries to get the the rich to envy the poor and the poor to envy the rich. It tries to get the mm -hmm. the, the woman to envy the man and the man to envy the woman. You know. It is envy it is and yes, it is envy as moral philosophy. Yeah. Because envy it, says it is... envy says I deserve something that I didn't get. Especially with 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 when when you turn it to the feminist Marxist who says that the patriarchy, maleness, masculinity itself is unfair. And like, like Marx saying cause and effect was a social construct, the feminist Marxist says that masculinity is a social construct. Well, no, the rules and customs to how masculinity, their suicide rate is up. Well, I was yeah. just going to say, how's, how's, um, how's gender roles being a social construct working out for them? Because all yeah. I hear is women complaining about men in their bathrooms in dresses peering at them. Yeah. Just, just saying. Anyway, um, I, would, I would note, though, uh, one of the interesting things about Marxism, um, as opposed to capitalism, is Marx is trying to build an explicitly moral um, framework here. I know you don't agree, and it, I agree. It's based in a, it. It's effectively based in a moral evil of theft, but I don't think. But he is trying to construct a, a system that is. It's a new morality, but it but it is a moral system. It, like he's he's trying to build, uh, good ends into, the way, um, the economic system is structured. It doesn't work. It's I, a disaster. I, res I respectfully but, but utterly disagree. Uh, I take it that you haven't actually enough. read Marx. Marx said no, that everything no. that exists deserves to perish. He wanted to burn the world. That was his goal. He wanted to tear down society in the vague hope that utopia would spontaneously spring up out of it. He was in well, favor yeah, but... of bloody world revolution. Okay? Well, of, of there was course not, he was. He he's, was not building, he's not intending to build anything. That's just talk. That's just an excuse. You're like a guy who looks at the wolf in sheep's clothing and says, "Gee, that that wolf can actually walk faster than the sheep. He might be easier. It might be better for the herd." No, Marx was Marx was simply the, doing what the devil always does. He says, "Your eyes will be opened and you'll be like gods. You'll be able to, to live without labor. Everything will be perfect." It's just a lie. So oh, he, I agree. Wanted, he did not want to create a moral system in any way, shape, or form. That was, well, that was excuse me. That's the excuse. He's saying it's, it's a, he's saying it's immoral for you. Sold. It's immoral for you to own property that I want. That I want. That's his idea that's, of morality. Well, yeah, I didn't. I didn't say he succeeded, but um, but it's it's couched in um, attempting to. It's it's sold to people as building a more moral economic system. It's yes, not. It's it it's is. horrific. It's a disaster. But but that is that is that's the and snake oil is that's, billed that's the as, advertising. And well, snake that's oil is billed as medicine. <laughs> but if you take it, all that will happen is you'll get sick. Yes, I, suppose. I, I I agree. He thinks it's. But you keep in mind that Marx is a liar. The way he uses his oh. terminology, every word he uses has a different meaning for him because he's a mystic. Okay. Do you think he? Do you think he believed it though? I believe that magicians <laughs> use words in order to create effects. 
I think Marx's idea of science was as uh, was activism. Science was not something you study to learn the truth. Science was a weapon you used to destroy your enemies. So to ask whether he believed it or not assumes a categorization, assumes that he believed in things like true and false, right and wrong, that I do not uh, believe he believed. To, to, to say someone believes a, something... It's, the, it's ask, the wrong category. Yes. You, you should ask, in his terminology, you should ask whether or not it is useful for the revolution for him to say the things he says. The answer to that is yes. What he said was useful for the world revolution. I guess, I guess my question is, do you think he believed what the end goal would be? Do you think when the devil rebelled against God, he actually had a good argument that that man, that Christ should not be placed higher in the hierarchy than Satan? Fair enough. He probably didn't. He just wanted his position, I guess. I don't know. I can't read the mind of a devil. Fair enough. You see? No, was, I, I get the, it. But the I, question was, was his I can judge his philosophy, and it's incoherent. It, do, it does not logically make sense. I can read his words, but if I read all his words, I find out he's not using the words to mean what the ordinary person means by them. When he talks about morality, he's talking about it in the collective sense, not in the individual sense. For him, right and wrong are social constructs that have to be cast aside. He's like Nietzsche in that respect. Nietzsche believed in going beyond good and evil, that good and evil were merely something the bourgeoisie made up to restrain the pagan heroes in all, in all of us. Mm -hmm. Marx believed that good and evil, law and, and crime, were categories invented by the demiurge of society to oppress the poor. Okay. Now, yep. so the, the whole thing is based on an inversion, a Gnostic inversion. The whole thing is based on the idea yep. that it is evil to give a man a job, but good for that man to rob you at gunpoint. So when you say, did Marx believe it was actually good, I have to say, well, by his definition of good, which is to say evil, yes. By the sane definition, by the correct and truthful definition, no. Did, I suppose whether he believed it or not, I'm, yeah. I'm not a mind reader. I can't, I can't say what was going on in his, in his mind. Fair enough. I suppose my question was more, do you think he believed he, the utopia could be achieved? Do you, think he, do you think he bought into the vision of what he was selling? That is a difficult question. I don't think he was just the music man from, uh, I don't think he was merely Professor Harold Hill from the music man. I do think that like many of a, her I, do, I think he was a hermeticist. I think he was a Gnostic. I think that he was a magician who thought that the uh, endless evolutionary revolution of changes would eventually produce a utopia and make man into God uh, after embracing suffering and destruction. The big, the big thing about Hermeticists is that they think there's little pieces of God hidden in every bit of matter. And that's why, and, and they were alchemists also. That's why the alchemists thought you could get gold out of lead. Because they thought the seed of gold was hidden somewhere in the lead. Likewise, in every human soul, they think the seed of God is there. And when that comes out, the breach, the difference between God and man will be abolished. Mm -hmm. You can see parallels to, from this heresy to certain orthodox beliefs about how man can be adopted as a son of God and become like unto gods when we're, when we're all together in the feast of the, uh, the Lamb in heaven. So Marx believed, uh, also Hegel, Hegel believed that, that mankind would evolve to become gods and that God would, uh, doesn't exist yet but will exist at the end of time, at the, at the eschaton. Marx believed in his eschaton, perhaps. Uh, I don't see why, any reason why he, why he might not have believed it. He was a mystic. He was not an economist, though, and he wasn't a philosopher. He was a magician. <laughs> he, was, he was preaching alchemy, and he thought the alchemical yeah. fires would be to burn the world, and then out of the ashes, Phoenix Lake would arise a utopia. But he also thought that it would not happen right away. He thought the, the, the socialist system would, would have to give rise to another system. That the, that the dictatorship of the proletarian would have to fade away and give rise to the, to the socialist man. And socialist man, the communal man, as he called him, were people whose emotions were, and passions and morality were such that no man was differentiated from any other man, and that men were no longer alienated from their work, and that everyone lived together uh, in peace and harmony like in Eden, and the new Jerusalem would descend from heaven, and everyone would live happily ever after, uh, you know, forever, as it, as it is not in heaven. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> It's yeah. a religion. It's a cult. To, uh, to say course. whether or not, to say whether or not the Jim Jones cultists believed in that, that they should drink Kool Aid, 
I guess the answer is basically yes. But it's still poison. <laughs> They're still drinking poison, even of if course. they say it's Kool-Aid, you know. No, I understand. So, we should circle back to, is capitalism moral? I suppose it is, ironically, because it is amoral, but because it is based in freedom, it will it will make for a good society um, as long as there's a basic moral foundation in that society. But capitalism itself or the competition inherent in the system can erode that morality. So here's my here's my take on it. I, I respectfully disagree with you. Capitalism okay. is capitalism is moral the same way that law and order is moral. But any good thing when it becomes corrupt is worse than if you hadn't had it at all, if you see what I'm True. saying. A bad capitalism is worse than a feudal system. At least in the feudal system, the serfs were, couldn't be put off their land for non-payment of rent. At least in the feudal system, but, everyone had a place in society. Okay, feudal system, is not, feudal system is not as good as capitalism in terms of producing abundant wealth and freedom for all men. But it's a good system if you're under continuous attack from Vikings and, and Paynims, for example. It's a good system if you're trying to survive the shipwreck of your empire. Okay. Yeah. So, like anything else, capitalism is stronger and better than feudalism, but when it goes bad, it goes really bad. In the same way, when a brave man becomes a wicked man, he becomes a brave wicked man, which is much worse to deal with than a wicked cowardly man, okay? Because then you're yes. dealing with the witch king of Angmar, who's, who's brave as all get out, as opposed to dealing with Gollum, who's a flipping coward, okay? Uh, so, any, yeah. any idea that can, that can be turned on its head and goes bad goes really wrong. That's why Marxism has such an appeal, because Marxism is just a good idea turned on its head. The good idea of Marxism, it's the book of the Apocalypse by St. John. It's an eschatonic religion. It's a religion that preaches the end of the world, that there's going to be a paradise after the Battle of Armageddon. Now, he doesn't say mm -hmm. Armageddon. He says world revolution. He doesn't say, yeah. that, he doesn't say that, the, that the righteous will be uplifted in the rapture. He says that the, uh, the poor, that the uh, proletarians will be uplifted. Right. He just has different words for the things, but he's talking about a fundamentally true religious vision. He just turns it on his head and turns it into the opposite of what it is. The same way a prostitute is the opposite of a loving wife. You pay for yeah. someone to do, to do the thing that you're supposed to do in your, in, your, in your wedding bed. Okay, well, it's a horror when that happens. It's a grotesque mm -hmm. horror. So you, you can say that capitalism is just a tool that is neither here nor there. I say capitalism is freedom, and freedom is good. But when freedom goes bad, it, it goes really bad. It goes very bad. Well, we are witness. Uh, and was it Plato that said in his Republic that maybe that the best you when you when you found your city, you shouldn't found it um, in too in too abundant a place. You don't want to be too wealthy because that's corruptive to uh, the good of the good of the citizenry. And I would say in defense of that idea, Look around us today, because we live in an opulently, ridiculously wealthy society today. I believe, and this is, this, is, this is not a bad thing, but... I believe that the sin of pride is now has its own month devoted to it. Well, yes, we are currently, uh, we currently have, we are currently ce celebrating International Pride Year in Sydney. Um, and for our trouble, we have murals that depict an angel with a wing, a rainbow colored wing, a rainbow colored wings um, made of phalluses, um, which is not, shouldn't, should, shouldn't be just like, if you want to paint that on the wall in the privacy, privacy of your own home, so be it, I suppose, but that shouldn't be on a public street. That has no business being it, displayed it has, in public. It has no business on the wall of your home either. Well, I agree, but I'm, I'm inclined to extend, um, if, if you, what you want to do in the privacy of your own home, it's probably, if you want to corrupt yourself in the privacy of your own home, to some degree, that's your business. And I might not agree with it. And I might try to talk you out of it. But at the end of the day, it's your soul in your home. So I, I used to be an Ayn Randian and I used to agree with that. And now I, well, as a, someone who I studied don't... economics, I believe there are negative externalities to private vice, which gives the state True. at least some excuse for uh, reigning in at least some of the more public and disgusting of vices. 
Well, as I said, I in, in the privacy of your own home, um, I, I agree. When you want to spill out into the public, I'm sorry. It, it, it needs to be suppressed. I'm sorry, but I disagree. In the privacy okay, of your own home, argument was used to make sodomy legal in America, and then to I make, agree, and, then and to that's, make gay marriage legal, and the, that the problem ushered, is, and that ushered in the gender ideology, which is currently butchering and mutilating the sexual organs of our children in America. So the privacy of your own home argument cuts no ice with me any longer. It is not the things that are done there have public consequences. How far would you go in suppressing them, though? Where would you draw the line? About where it was in the 1950s, 1940s. I would say I would draw the line where Christ draws the line. Um, as in it's a crime, but... I'd make sodomy illegal. I'd make it a crime. Okay. Um, I don't know. It seems... Uh, to a large degree, what one of one of the reasons used to overturn with, with, sodomy with laws this, was that they were not were not really enforced. With so, this, with this caveat, well, they were they were only well, they were only enforced uh, impartially and or not impartially. They were enforced partially and as sort of a matter of con like to persecute people as opposed to enforcing them equally, but. That's a separate question. That's not, that's not it, it is. No, that's fine. That, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, that's the not question, to say the, the laws were necessarily bad. But. The question was how far would I go? The answer is, yes. the answer I would give is that if the vice has clear public negative consequences, then it's open to being regulated by a just magistrate. And I would say that sodomy falls into that, into that category. And here's, my, and here's my proof. I used to believe otherwise when the Supreme Court of Massachusetts said that civil unions would not be permitted to gay couples who wanted to cohabitate, but it had to be called marriage. They had to be honored with the sacrament of marriage as a matter of honor, as a matter of public honor. I said, these people are not willing to restrict their behavior to the privacy of their bedroom. Oh, no, they're not. That's the they problem. They are coming after my children. If yes, sodomy had been illegal, even if the law was never enforced, the laws making gay marriage feasible would not have been discussed. That's true. Okay, I actually so I, I completely I, I regard it as a necessary bulwark against the flood of immorality. So you would agree it should be illegal? Yes. And even, in practice, even if law, even even if, even if, even if in practice you turned something of a blind eye, even if you turned right. something of a blind eye to it, as sure. long as you kept it behind closed doors sure. and didn't advertise it, we're content to we're content to ignore your vice I as, long a, as, as, I, long as, as long as as long as as long as as long. We're content to ignore your vice as long as you make it possible for us to ignore your vice. I'm a tolerant man. I'm willing to tolerate immorality. <laughs> okay. That's as fair. Yeah. You, as long as you keep it to yourself. Sure. As, because if not, because the, the libertarian idea that there's a no man's land between us, where we can both agree not to interfere with each other, is a myth. I used to be libertarian. I used to believe that. I never no, I agree. I, I agree. So I, I think the I choice agree with between your principle. public multicolored rainbow penises on angel wings or yep. images of Christ in public. Okay? One or the other. The idea that the, the idea that the public square will have no images is both is false. You yeah, either of have course. Christ or you have Antichrist. That's the binary choice. That's the only choice. Yep. Okay. It'll be one or the other. Yeah. Right. I agree, the definitely there. Now, given my druthers, I kind of prefer the feudal system where the church is the one who handles legal questions of what is moral and immoral because they can handle it in a penitent fashion rather than a legal fashion. And maybe the civil power should uh, only be restricted to matters of war and peace and, and, and the law, keeping the law. You said, that's an interesting take. I like it. I think that makes sense. So. Because, because there's a... Well, I mean, I suppose that was effectively how the Inquisition worked. Um, the, Inqu the Inquisition would assign penance maybe house arrest or maybe confinement to a monastery or something but yeah. but to be punished uh capitally or corporally you had to be handed over to the civil authorities to do it and and the civil authorities had to make it a matter of civil law that it was illegal to uh deviate from the christian faith which they did in spain now being an american i would prefer because we have a plethora of heresies living here to live in peace with my with my fellow Christians, and to, I'm willing to agree to the ceasefire of the First Amendment, and not to have the state involved in religious matters. But 
I have to include Marxism as a religion in that case. And I don't see why their religion gets to use my public school system as their seminary to train their priests or activists, as they call them. Yeah, whereas yeah, whereas when you have people taught reading, writing, and arithmetic by cruel nuns with rulers who will slap you across the knuckles, <laughs> you actually get good results. So yep. that's, that's where I stand. The problem is that this is a fallen world, as you said earlier, and no solution, yeah. no system, no capitalist system, no church system, no feudal system is going to be perfect or even free from outrageous shortcomings. I understand there's outrageous shortcomings to making certain uh, private practices illegal. Sure. But look at the bad, look at what happened when, you, when they're not illegal. That's, that seems to me to be clearly worse. I, we, I agree. This it seems to be a experimented. The experiment has risen up like Frankenstein's monster and, and killed <laughs> killed the Frankenstein's <laughs> wife or whatever, you know, throwing little girls into ponds. The, the monster is loose. It's time to get the torches and, and to chase it into an old mill and kill it. So I think yes. the experiment has been proven. We no longer need further experiments along these lines. Socially, socially. Yes. No, we, yeah, we've tried the experiment the libertarian's way, and it doesn't work well. It seems to have been a disaster. Um, I think I think you actually make a good point about um, even 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 if the law isn't particularly rigorously enforced, it does have the it does have the effect of uh, pushing something into the shadows to some degree in a way that um, you know sodomy is illegal, but we'll we'll quietly ignore it if you do it behind closed doors and don't tell anybody. Um, well, but here's the thing. that produces a black here's... market. Yes. It seems to do less harm that way, though. The thing of it is, when we say that capitalism only works for a moral people, what kind of morality are we talking about? Does does that include this? Because the thing about no, I'm, the thing that I'm including it, a, I mean, I mean a Christian morality at right, the end of the day. Right. So do I. Well, I, I and it, Christian it, morality it, requires self control. Virtuous pagans would be fine, I suspect. In small numbers among us, yes, but not if they're the no, majority. But I mean, like. It, it requires a it requires a relatively virtuous people. Um, I suspect in practice this means a Christian people, but um, but the, but they need to be they need to be reasonably virtuous. That's definitely a, a prerequisite. Right. And it, it won't work if you don't have a reasonably virtuous people, as we are discovering. Right. But anyway, final thoughts. I think you and I do not see eye to eye. I think our differences is more than just semantic, because I actually think that capitalism is moral and is based on morality and any, and any uh, anything else is uh, is immoral but I also think that capitalism is a lot worse when it goes wrong whereas I think you think that it's like a tool it's like a hammer you can use a hammer to pound nails or you can use a hammer to, to smash in the skull of your neighbor you know it's not the hammer's fault you know but we do agree that it whether more uh, Marxism is good or bad uh, it's evil in its yes, outcome. it's inherently immoral. It's, it's impractical. It's in... not, it not only doesn't work, it's also evil. It's not just bad, it's also wrong, in other words. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, I, we, we totally... I, I think we actually probably agree, because I think you've convinced me with your framing that capitalism is basically moral, but because, because a good thing corrupted will be far worse than merely a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I... I think we're grasp I think my framing of it will supply good things as well as bad things is it's the same it's the same insight expressed differently. I think I agree. I think actually you've convinced me capitalism is basically moral. The problem is when it's corrupted. It's right. it's like a, a a good king is great, but when a good king goes bad, it's it's um it's worse. It's it's much it's much, much worse than um a democracy becoming a democracy yeah, um yeah you know now here's the argument on the other side which which we did not which we didn't touch on what i didn't say is that capitalism tends to produce an incentive to uh to erode certain personal relationships and replace them with formal and impersonal relationships so mm -hmm. that instead of buying from the from the ma and pa shop that my grandparents bought from for years I now go to a chain store, and the manager there is not a member of my community, and he's uh, and his manager is living in New York. Do you see the problem? And we didn't even yes. we didn't even touch on that problem. That well, capitalism does produce 
uh, impersonal economies of scale. The economies of scale can have can have a very deleterious effect, and capitalism, mm -hmm. I believe, does need to be hedged about with very careful, uh, rigorous controls to prevent that the exact kind of exploitation and uh, unfairness that was what provoked Marx to his uh, religious vision of a of a world without cause and effect called utopia. You know, you you, you need a you need a virtuous people. Yeah, <laughs> you need the banker okay. needs to be willing to give bread to the poor. Yeah. So. Okay, well, on that note, thank you everybody for joining us and like, share and subscribe and join us next time. Thanks for joining us, John. Thank you, sir.